Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and Twitch, and sometimes I even upload the good bits. This is Previously Live. Hello. Howdy. Hey, is my audio okay? Yeah, you sound great. Awesome. Awesome. I'm excited to chat with you, man. Uh, yeah, the feeling is mutual. How's your day going? I'm doing well. Hit the gym for a little bit, got my chat on. That uh, world geography flex you just did was quite impressive, I must say. All the mistakes that I made are things that I've gotten correct in smaller versions of that test. I can get 100%. I just need to focus my energies. And then there's the 190 country quiz, which has a lot of little island nations that I do not know anything about. So I'll have to learn up on that as well. But yeah, I figure like, I mean, memes aside, and I like memeing about being an American, this is probably something I should know, right? I mean, this is probably a reasonable thing to expect, like, a politics guy to know about. Yeah, I was messing around with that game for uh, seeing how quickly I could identify the U.S. states. Bastiat and I had a competition about a year ago to see who could do it as quickly as possible. Um, but I've messed with that with the territories. There's a bunch of stuff you can do. U.S. capitals. Can you do countries' capitals as well? That might be your next next challenge. That, okay, we'll we'll get there. Okay, that's countries' capitals. Christ alive! I don't, I don't, I know the capitals of maybe five of the fifty states. Okay, we are a a while away from that one. You know. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. So, uh, the suffering of geography quizzes aside. Uh, what is on your mind today, my friend? I am familiar with your content, but for the sake of the people watching who might not know about it, do you want to describe what you are and what you do? Sure. So I identify as a liberal. I focus on Capitol Hill on my channel. Uh, I primarily stream on Twitch, though I have uh, started putting some work into my YouTube channel. But we love watching C-SPAN. We, uh, I try to dig out all the drama in it. Uh, I'm fascinated with all these representatives and senators, so we watch a lot of hearings, trying to keep abreast of what's happening. I believe if you want to change things, you've got to understand the system that exists as is. And um, I'm a progressive, I dare say. I, I voted for Bernie in 2016 and 2020, but I get behind those in power because I want to eliminate suffering right now. So hopefully yeah. that's enough of an explanation of who I am. Yeah, I think that's totally agreeable. And yeah, I, I, I agree. I think one of the biggest issues with lefties uh, in America is they seem to have a very poor understanding of the systems they want to replace, which can be very frustrating. I remember vividly, uh, particularly back during the primaries, where like there are people with such strong opinions on these issues. And I'm implicating myself a little bit here, too. You no doubt know far more about the U.S. political process than I do. Um, but sometimes, like, they lack even, like, a, a functional level of knowledge, which, I mean, how do you expect to fix anything, you know? Yeah, I, I've noticed that a lot with people calling for primarying Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin and not understanding that they're not up for re-election for three more years, you know, so it's kind of pointless, but I, I don't expect people to know much. I actually think you have a, a pretty deep knowledge, like, um... When I was watching your breakdown of AOC's vote on the Iron Dome, I was really impressed. I mean, I don't think most people in America know that we have a speaker and a majority leader. <laughs> yeah, I, I got get, got a bit of a semantic mistake uh, during that one. But yes, the, um, the, uh, the info surrounding that, I think a lot of lefties are coming at it from a very bad angle. So I don't know. It's, it's a little bit frustrating, I think. Yeah, Not I think it's time. indicative. 
I think it's indicative of, of where the progressive movement is as a whole. And I'm kind of curious to, to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, this is coming off the back of um, Eric Adams winning in mayor, the for, you know, the Democrat nominee for mayor in New York City over Maya Wiley, who was the progressive darling. And then Nina Turner got got uh, defeated. And I think that shocked a lot of people. Um, did you see that come in? Where were you on Nina Turner? Out of I curiosity? Am, I'm perpetually pessimistic about electoral odds for lefties so mm -hmm. i never try to let it get me down i might overcompensate a little bit by not even focusing on it that much because i'm after i don't know how tuned in you were to like lefty spaces after um bernie lost the primaries but that people were on fucking suicide watch man i mean people were in the the forums people were posting links to like suicide prevention hotline like people got really into it one of the first lessons that i was taught back in college about being like a lefty involved in electoralism is the idea that you can't get overcommitted because if you do you lose the feeling that you're capable of winning at all electoralism is never like the end goal of a radical right i mean by definition it's not so with regards to nina turner i was hoping she'd win and i think she had a decent shot she came close certainly um mm -hmm. but i didn't focus on it too much and i'm not surprised at the outcome I gotcha. Yeah, it just seems like one blow after another for the progressive movement. And then um, AOC, uh, she went to the ball, the Met Gala, and, and some people liked it, some people didn't. I thought it was brilliant what she did. I, I, I thought it played right to her strengths. I, I look at her as more of a marketing tool, kind of like uh, to bring people in and get them excited, shine a spotlight on some issues that otherwise people might ignore. But then she took such a big L on this Iron Dome vote. And I noticed your community, uh, which I assume is is much further left, were pushing back on you a lot for criticizing her. Is is that something that comes up more think, and more oh, as of late? A lot of it's probably my fault because I'm usually one of the first people to defend AOC because there were a lot of mm. people on the left who hate her because she's prominent, you know? Like a lot of the anti-electoral types think that her prominence is a symbol of the spiritual decay of the left that we would be committed to cosmopolitan celebrity worship over like real organizing or whatever and i think that's a little dumb because at the end of the day whatever like fills seats and gets microphones active is what works in favor of any political movement donald trump proved that he got like almost all bad press back during the 2016 primaries and where did it land him four years in the oval office pretty much all press is good press i feel that way about aoc so with the met gala stuff i mean is it like performative liberalism? I don't know, maybe, sure, but are people gonna enjoy it and talk about it? Is it gonna stir discourse? Yeah, so, all right, you know, can't be too mad about that. Yeah, again, I, I thought it was uh, brilliant of her. I don't think she's that powerful as a legislator. You know, it's only her second term, it takes time. And she's she's taking quite an extreme position compared to what exists right now. So it's it's going to be an uphill climb. But she is a social media star and uh, very good at, again shining a light at some issues on some issues other people aren't paying attention to. So I, I mean, she I should be like very... a left celebrity, right? She's not yeah. supposed to be like a theory leader, right? I mean, we're not we're not expecting AOC to be like writing text on political theory. So what is her job? There's a limit to what you can do as a member of Congress when you're like pretty far to the left. You can't like single-handedly wrench hundreds of your fellow elected representatives over to your position single-handedly. Your job is essentially to be like a loudspeaker, a mouthpiece for your ideology. And AOC is one of the most well-known politicians in the world. There are people over in Europe, even people outside of what we would traditionally call the West, 
who know who AOC is. That's pretty crazy. That's not a likely or common thing. We should be taking advantage of that, you know? Oh, yeah. she When she first came, she had TMZ in the halls of Congress following her around. So she she's definitely uh, been a lightning rod in there. And, and I'm actually curious to hear what you think. I think she should have voted yes on this. Now, Israel aside, for me, it's about how do we get power? How do we get people in a position of power? And um, we need AOC to rise in the ranks of the Democratic caucus within the House. That's what I think. And, and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on it, because, for example, she tried to get on the Ener Energy and Commerce Committee this this term of Congress, but she lost a secret vote in uh, on a steering committee to get that. And it's because people maybe don't like her so much and, and she's ruffling a lot of feathers. Some people might say that's great, but at the same time, I see her as as uh, she's in the House. That's the arena she chooses to fight in. So I don't know. This I agree with you that the present vote was total nonsense. Even a no vote was pointless, except for ideology reasons. But we're trying to help people right now. So would you have rather seen her vote no? Or is there any scenario where you be okay with her voting yes on that well i want to be clear i would have preferred her voting yes to what she did nothing makes her look more weak and shiftless and easily swayed than voting no and then switching it to present after talking with pelosi i mean that's like I, it's hard to imagine like a worse possible outcome than that even a, a yes would have been i mean if nothing else it would have come off as consistent we're not talking about like outcomes here because whether she votes no present or yes even if everyone like did it wouldn't have changed the fact that it would go through i mean that was one of the most one-sided votes that's that's about the closest you're going to see to unanimous agreement between dems and republicans so what we're talking about fundamentally is symbology how effective is her performative uh rejection of the funding relative to whatever gains she could make within the party by kowtowing or by uh you know like towing the line or whatever I don't actually know if I have a strong answer to that. Uh, it's possible that if she had voted yes, she would have gotten even more dogpiled by the left. And mm -hmm. it would have been something that like uh, anti-left Democrats and Republicans could have taken advantage of more substantively. You know, oh, you thought you had your leaders and representatives, but look, they're, they're no better for you than any of these other people, you know? And sometimes people get swayed by that. That could be pretty bad. At the same time, looking at history, a lot of radicals who have come to power, whether they be fascists or socialists, have done so by cloyingly attaching themselves to movements they don't necessarily fully agree with, bidding their time, waiting for a chance to shine. And that's pretty effective, you know? I don't know if that's always the best strategy, but it definitely works often enough. Sorry, biding. Did I say bidding their time? Biding their time, sorry. Um, it works often enough that it's like, worthy of consideration i guess my only real position is that what she did was like the worst of all worlds you know yeah and then her explanation yeah you know, I, I again I, I love aoc i've got a poster over on my wall i've sent her money i support her but i uh i i thought her explanation was terrible too there there was no explanation in there as to why she uh voted present it was just it was like you said she blamed the leadership and the rushed process and and that just that didn't cut it for me and she know. didn't explain it, it in there either. Like she could right. explain if she's like, we weren't given the time to explain why I'm holding this position on the vote. And then she has all the time in the world afterwards, but she doesn't. We know the answer, right? Like there's no answer other than she did it because it would help with redistricting and it would help chances in future elections. And because she was cajoled to by party leadership. That's not corruption. That's how politics works. I mean, in all directions. 
but she can't say that without coming off super conceited, so... I don't know, maybe a lie would have been better than this. Like, in terms of optics, <laughs> at least. I don't know, it's just so fucked. Yeah, every time, you know, it's funny, I talk about lying on my stream sometimes, where I'm saying, look, we, we got to say whatever we got to say to win, because I think our policies are going to help the most people. And a lot of people tend to shy away from that, and so it's, it's interesting for you to, to hear you say that. Because I agree, I think even a lie would have been better than that nonsense. I wanted to ask you about this point of redistricting. I heard you say that in your breakdown. Did you mean um, just in general for like all 435 seats, or were you talking about in New York specifically? I thought, and I, I should probably read more into this but i thought that in new york like they're up for redistricting and there's the possibility mm -hmm. of one going red in the near future and that the area that might be redistricted has like a lot of jews there so they thought that by uh, kowtowing on this issue they could maybe weigh enough people over to maintain like a blue district that's what mm -hmm. i heard though i haven't looked into the specific numbers on it gotcha yeah new york state's gonna lose one seat and um they are redrawing some maps. It doesn't seem like AOC's seat is at risk. And also, she's she's just such a rock star. She has so much money that I think she could win any seat. But uh, just the census results showed that population shift was more from the rural areas down to the city. So those Republicans are probably going to get screwed. Also, this is the first time, I think, ever that the Democrats have fully controlled the state. So they are going to gerrymander the crap out of it and screw the Republicans. Lock so I'm down, excited right? for that. Yeah, God, lock it down. I mean, if that's if that's the game, right? If the Republicans are doing it every chance they get, you'd be stupid to leave that on the table. We have to, yeah. And actually, um, they changed their, their state constitution not too long ago to uh, have an independent commission draw the maps, which is what the For the People Act ultimately wants, every single state to have an independent commission to get rid of gerrymandering. But if that independent commission comes to a standstill and cannot figure out the maps, then the state legislature can take over. So sounds like Democrats are going to have to play some nasty ball here and screw the uh, independent um council and then our commission and then draw gerrymander the shit out of new york which is awesome yeah it's it's unfortunate because i i know i don't like come off this way but i'm pretty high-minded when it comes to political principle at least i try to be but mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of our government operates on a series of gentlemen's agreements that aren't in effect anymore like a lot yeah. of it works only if like the republicans the democrats and everyone else have a set of baseline decent beliefs that they'll hold to uh, that we can always trust them to defer to in times of political crisis or uncertainty. And it seems like with the Republicans, they have completely dropped that. The big lie, like, gave any chance of that being the case, the, the boot out the door. They will do and say anything. And if you're not willing to at least adjust your strategy after that, you're basically giving them future wins over nothing, which is unacceptable to me, given the harm that could do. I agree, and I actually get a little pushback on this one aspect, though. I think bipartisanship is important. What are your thoughts on Joe Biden's approach to bipartisanship? I I guess I like it in concept. I just don't know if it can work anymore because it feels like the Republicans are fucking insane. It, it, like, it seems it, it's gone beyond, like, real politic, too. Like, it's it seems like so much of it is driven by raw personality cult beyond anything else that I like bipartisanship in concept. I mean, I like governments to get along. Not everything should be like a drag-out fight. It's just, it's like wrestling now, you know? Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's like infuriating to watch this, because like Republicans will lie so confidently and so frequently, and sometimes for no benefit to them or their opponents. They'll, it, it'll just, they just do it by default. So in that, in that environment, I wish that Biden came down on them 
a lot harder than he does now, you know? Maybe, maybe the American electorate, at least the independents, if they can't be woken up to the Democrats being good, maybe they can be convinced the Republicans are dangerous. Because Lord knows the Republicans are trying to do that nationwide, right? Maybe Democrats yeah. should push on the fearmonger angle a little more. It'd be more warranted than anything the Republicans fearmonger over. What are they complaining about? Trans people in bathrooms? I mean, nothing compared to what they're capable of. Yeah, they're going to run on pure culture wars going into 2020 midterms. Did you follow the California recall election closely? And I only bring this up because of... Um... You said that uh, fear mongering, and I think we did do some of that on the left in that in that race. Yeah, I think uh, I actually caught up all in it like the day before the actual vote took place, um, mm. because I'm not in California anymore, and I feel like a poser weighing in on their issues now. But yeah, I'm really glad because because um, Larry Elder was insane. Yes. Uh, com like absolutely insane. I'm 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 very happy that he didn't win. Um, but that's going to be like the future of the party, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, it seems like Marjorie Taylor Greene is like the blueprint for the modern Republican, you know? So 100%. Yeah. And I was really happy to see the, the California Dems and Gavin Newsom lay into the fear mongering saying, look at Texas, look at Florida, look what they're doing with their COVID extremism. That's going to be California. Do you want that here? And that's what we're going to run on in the midterms next year. So the Republicans are just handing us this uh, wonderful thing that we can ignore everything else and just say, those guys are nuts. You don't want that. Because Trumpism is still on the ballot, which is which is great for us. Yeah, it's if, if people like wake up to it, right? Um, yeah. Of course, I feel like most everyone in America already has an opinion on Trump, you know? So there probably isn't like a... A huge block of potential voters who are just uh, waiting to hear the right Trump bad argument to be moved over. But I feel like not enough people are, not enough independents who don't like Trump are fully aware of the threat that he poses, you know? A lot of them seem to dislike him because he's like rude or uh, boorish or kind of stupid, you know? Not because he poses an existential threat to democracy. Maybe that'll change with time when people see that's a whole Republican Party thing and not just uh a Trump bad thing. Maybe the universality of the problem will convince people. Yeah, I, I think this is a great point you're making here because um, we need a viable partner to work with on the right. I, I, I get so much grief when I say this, but um, we need some sort of uh, capable representation over there, maybe like Mitt Romney, Susan Collins types that we can actually work with because they represent a lot of people. And, and we're kidding ourselves if we think we're going to convince everybody to think like we do over on the left. Uh, that's only going to take place with authoritarianism, and that's not happening anytime soon. So uh, we, we've got to have a viable partner over there. And that's why I brought up bipartisanship, because I, I, I'm I, I'm really sold on this right now. And, and you know, it, it takes two to tango, but somebody's got to make the moves first. And I'm very interested to see what happens with this infrastructure bill, as I thought it was a genius move to start with the easiest, lowest hanging fruit. So hopefully it comes to fruition here in the next week or so. But I think the reason why I say that is because 19 Republican senators voted for it. And so if we can say good job to those guys and reward them, maybe we can take away from that Trumpism. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, oh, well, I'll say if the bipartisanship is going to happen, it has to come from them because like. From mm. my perspective, like, they were willing, they were so unwilling to drop the party mantle that they were willing to essentially aid and abet a fascist. Um, not the sort of latent fascism of, like, Reagan's America or whatever, where you have all of the, like, pieces being set up, but pretty open, like, anti-democratic leaders 
being bolstered by the entire Republican Party. They all pushed it, and the ones who didn't were too scared to speak up about it because they knew they would be, like, called out by Trump on Twitter if they ever said anything to contradict him. So uh, if there are any Republicans for whom I think bipartisanship is warranted, it's going to be those who are willing to hurt their re-election chances uh, by openly speaking out against what's happening, and not just in some, like, minor performative Trump doo-doo head big meanie kind of way, but in a sort of substantive refutation of the behavior of the Republican Party. And I don't know if there's any saving that. The whole Republican Party went with it, you know? Like, even the never-Trumpers fell in line like they always do, the bootlicking scum, every single time. They have no principles. So, I don't know what the likelihood is that they're gonna, like, move away from that towards certain electoral defeat by distancing themselves from the most popular and energized Republican base, which are Trumpers. Maybe they will, and if they do, then... I'd rather have them in Congress than, like, full-on lunatics like Marjorie Taylor, but who knows? Yeah, she gets a lot of attention because of all the crazy stuff she does, but there are plenty of people working to try to take back their party. I, I look at people like Liz Cheney, who Donald Trump has picked a fight with, and she seems up for it. And maybe the January 6th Select Committee can, uh, through their subpoena power, get some of these people... Uh, uh, to save some things that can bring their party back. I don't know, but there there are some fighters, and uh, as strange as it is, I try to support them to some degree so that we get rid of this this insanity, but I don't know. It, it, you're right, it's up to them. They're going to have to figure it out. I, I think that they see the writing on the wall, that their party is falling out of favor. And, um, you know, I look at states like Texas, where Obama lost by 16% in 2012. And then Trump, uh, Clinton lost by, I think, 9%, and then Biden lost by 6%. So things are shifting in this country, and these, this, these people are holding on for dear life to their power, and they'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. If they've already established that they're the type of politicians who are willing to side with fascists if it's politically expedient... I don't have much hope for the future of the party. They might just be waiting for the next charismatic leader to take over, right? It's possible that some ideological trends in the modern world are just patently unacceptable because their moderate elements only serve to lay the groundwork for the inevitable, like, populist uh, leader who will seize the reins and use them towards much more objectively evil ends. And if that's the case, I mean, that, like, that's an argument, I guess, just in favor of moving the Overton window as far away from where Republicans are as possible. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a, a difficult partner that we have here. Um, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> that's why I get so so taken aback when people focus their energy on individuals like Joe Manchin or Kirsten Cinema. Um, where where do you fall on these characters? I do think there's an overemphasis on them. I mean, I think they're scum. Don't get me wrong, but. It, it, it's it just it betrays like a misunderstanding of the people who voted them in do you think the people who voted in joe manchin or kirsten cinema would have voted for like who was that who was that uh bernie kratt that justice dem who tried to vote against them i forget Swearingen, she, she's a full-on like jimmy door anti-aoc type on twitter now so we dodged a bullet with that one um yeah yeah with people like that like what do you think the populations to those groups are you know like do you think that they would vote for AOC if they could? They would vote for Republican if they could. Right. right. So we should probably focus on the things that we can change. It's easy to hyperfixate on them, but every uh, midterm, every 
election. There are dozens of purple districts out there that don't get anywhere near that much attention. And I think, and that's one of the districts I'd like to focus on in the coming midterm when I try to get people out there to canvas because potentially just changing a few house seats or one Senate seat, I mean, that could make all the difference. Just nobody talks about those because they don't draw the attention of Kirsten Cinema's seething hatred for poor people or Joe Manchin thinking that compromising isn't enough of a compromise for the compromise that he wants or whatever. Yeah, there's plenty of opportunity to shift some more centrist Democrats into a progressive, uh, somebody's progressive. Uh, there was like a race in Texas with a girl, a woman named Jessica Cisneros, who was a progressive, and she had a pretty good chance against this guy, Henry Quaylar, but she didn't get any attention. And so, um, you know, she couldn't get any help. Everybody was focused on more high-profile races. So that would be cool to see you pick maybe a, a lower profile race and see if you can help a progressive uh, get in there. That would be awesome. Is that something you're thinking about doing, getting more involved with on the ground stuff? Yeah, I'd like that. It's good community building. Also, it might make some of my followers less suicidal because touching grass and going outside is way more um, healthy with regards to political action than whatever the fuck it is I do online. So it, it'll be it'll be a good tanning exercise for them. Um, yeah, we, I've, I've talked with some people and I've got some preliminary stuff in mind, but there are a lot of pieces I need to see fall into place before I can make any final plans. But the goal would be to, like, spend, try to spend, like, a month or so directing heavy on-the-ground movement, of which I'd be able to oversee at least parts of it. Because I can't take a whole month off streaming or whatever, and that would take popularity away from the project. So it'd be a, it'd be a matter of balancing all the, the factors involved, you know? Hell Yeah. Yeah. Have you done any door knocking in, in your time? Yeah, yeah, I've done canvassing before. I actually did a lot of, like, oh. direct work back in the day before whatever the fuck it is I do now. I, um, <laughs> I, uh, I was the, the president of the Sociology and Criminology Club back in my university, so I had to direct a bunch of, like, fundraising efforts, and we would, like, you know, try to, like, pull opinions, and we would organize campaigns, and we did this big project called the Pacific Crim criminological oh god i've forgotten the name holy shit well it was a big thing it was the largest of its kind in the entire state um northern part of the state whatever it was it was a good time and it took a lot of work so i'm confident that we'll be able to make this work hell yeah i'm excited i'll keep an eye out see if Criminal i can justice come out. dialogue that was called thank you <laughs> thank you vermin sorry ah oh god what yeah. This is an. This would be a fun segue. Then, since you brought up what you do here, uh, what do you think of this whole online politics space? Um, do you think, first and foremost, do you think we have an impact on the real world, or do you think you have an impact on the real world? I think we have pretty significant impacts in the real world that are incredibly difficult to measure, and it sounds really conceited to talk about it because any YouTuber talking about the real world impact they have feels. I mean, I know how it sounds, but I think that we mm -hmm. all do have a ton of influence, you know. And in many of the ways, like, it's difficult to say, like, how much of it is a reflection of the real world and how much of it causes effects in the real world. But when people say, like, Trump got into office based on meme magic, there's kind of a hint of truth there in that everything Trump was, that Trump would become to be, was kind of predicated two years before in 2014. All the same talking points, the movement, the attitude, it felt like it had a precedent in what you saw online. Maybe that was just an early warning sign, but it also kind of feels like a way of, you know, subtly normalizing trends that would later be capitalized on for greater political effect. I mean, Trump played into that constantly in a way that no other candidate really has. You know, the 
the online engagement, the mm -hmm. baiting the media constantly using memified language. So, I don't know. I think that we do have a pretty significant effect in the real world. <laughs> Anecdotally, you know, I've I've had a <laughs> a few um a few times friends of mine, like real life friends of mine who I knew before starting the channel, have been like. Oh, so I was talking with my friends the other day, and I mentioned you, and they were like, Oh my god, you know Vosh? And it turns out that by friend of a friend's, like, I have fans, about dozens of them, across the breadth of people who know me. Which is very, very strange, like, to, to think about that, you know? Yeah, it's it's like you play a role in, in their friends' lives that, that, that uh, they don't even know about. It's just kind of... Like we don't know what people's interests are or whatever, and and they have a a closeness to you that you know they don't even know about. Yeah, and they and then they ask questions like, oh, what do you like in person? Blah blah blah. It it, it all has a very real impact. Um, it's mm. just hard to measure. So I don't know. Maybe we'll get better at uniting these disparate political threads with time. Um, but if not, I guess it's still fun. Yeah, I I thought of that also because um. You had mentioned in your your AOC breakdown that us on the left, when somebody rises to power, we just start woke scolding and tearing them down. And I wonder if that comes from uh, just constantly questioning those in power. It seems like we have this narrative on the left that it's corporations running everything. And so many people, you and your audience may say, that's true. What are you talking about? Corporations and the rich and they just run everything and, and uh, we're screwed. And so there's always this questioning of, of those in power. And then, so how do we ever advance beyond that if, if we just cancel our own that get into power? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that at all. It's super, super self-destructive. The fact of the matter is, is that without a common narrative or at least a leader to unite behind, factional infighting is the best most populist movements are ever going to do. That's why right now the right is united behind Trump and we didn't unite behind Bernie because people didn't all fall in line behind Bernie. The mainstream Democratic Party didn't do with Bernie what the Republicans did with Trump and Bernie lost while Trump won. So they have a continuous ongoing thread, you know, that they can defer to, a common action plan they can always look towards. They don't always agree on everything, but at least they're together with the gist of things. Now, with the left, I mean, I don't know. It feels like if the modern left encountered, like, Karl Marx, like, if we had a modern Karl Marx, the person who would later end up spearheading the entire ideological front we're meant to represent, it just... It just kind of feels like we would all cancel him over something or another, you know? We don't have leaders anymore. It doesn't feel like we have strong, consistent figures to unite behind. Because you're right, we are skeptical of those in power. But you can only take that so far before you're just self-destructive in a way that is... Well, it's not just non-productive, it's like actively harming people, you know? The AOC yeah. stuff. People love to get mad at AOC. Fucking why? Are there not a million other people you could get mad at instead of AOC? Why the person clo Why the person most proximate to power? Why them? What harm are they doing exactly? Is it the, the harm of being Libby on Twitter sometimes? I mean, where, where do you pull this math out, you know? Yeah, I think the first thing she got canceled for was liking an SNL tweet about Elizabeth Warren dancing to us, some song. I uh, I think people would have canceled Bernie if he won. I, I really fear what would have happened if Bernie won because he ran on Medicare for All in four years. I think he would have ran into a brick wall in Congress. He would have maybe got Medicare for some in 12 years and people would have been so mad and angry. 
I I worry that people have this expectation of of what's possible. Um, even Bernie Sanders fighting for the expansion of Medicare right now in this three point five trillion dollar human infrastructure bill. He wants to expand Medicare to uh, dental, vision, all that. That's not even going to take place for eight years. It wouldn't even go into effect in eight years as a huge corporate um, giveaway because and they you, make a ton of money on that. And you see people on the left getting angry over this, too. That's, <laughs> right, and that's, that's, it's, it's fueled like the Jimmy Dore thing as well, where there are these people who are like, listen, all these left leaders that you grew up idolizing, they're all bullshit, okay? Yeah. In reality, podcasters who really like Assad we're the real left, you know? That's We're the actual front for the people's movement, or whatever. Yeah, Bernie has been dropped by a lot of people on the left because they really do just think that he or anyone else, if they were just willful enough, would be capable of making all these positive changes. They're not in it for the long haul. They're not willing to engage in that long-term exhausting process of meaningfully scraping power off bit by bit and if they yeah. can't do that they, they're never going to get anything they're never going to get anywhere yeah that's why i focus so much of my content on the house and the senate because it's not about just one person we, we've got to deal with all these different people and and systems to get this stuff done um it's it's a heavy lift but i think it's worth it i think it's it's worth trying and i think it's worth fighting for i i just worry that people are being sold this narrative that that those in power are evil and so if one of their guys gets into power how do you just shake that all of a sudden you know what i mean if you're told that um certain people are bad and then your guy gets in there you're like well i, I my guy's not bad now i don't know it's it's tough i, I just think there's a lot of um negativity and uh, on our side and and i don't know how to combat that and i feel like anytime you try to which i saw a few instances of people get very mad at you whenever you even take just a uh even position on something oh i can't get too mad at them which there's there's a, mm. a million things people are upset about day in and day out uh on the left and uh, i i can understand people lashing out a little bit when it feels like they're already narrow range of possible acceptable paths forward are narrowed even further um it, it's just a matter of hope a lot of people on the left just feel kind of hopeless you know that's what i think True. the overemphasization of electoral politics does even edgy doomer bros like chapo the way they behaved after the bernie primary after he lost like was very disappointing to me you know um because we're people on the left especially like the edgy disaffected ones are all supposed to be, you know, electoralism is only one part of the process. It's actually a, a broader fight that we're making, you know? Even if Bernie won, that wouldn't fix everything, Lib. But they got, like, super, super Doomer over it, and they've not really stopped in terms of the tone of their show. So, is it just, is that just how we all are, like, forever? Is that, is, are we just, like, doomed to constantly get upset over this stuff? I don't know. Well, I think it just weakens the movement and then more moderates take over and rise up. You know, that's how they destroy, defund the police, that whole thing. It's, they, they killed that. Uh, are you optimistic for the future? Um, yeah, I think I am in some ways. Even though the left doesn't really have a leader to unite it, there are some basic positions people on the left hold that are growing more popular with time, which I am very happy about. 
Um, for example, general criticism of capitalism is at an all-time high since the Great Depression. It was mm. exacerbated severely by COVID, and it feels like the right leader or the right message could make a lot out of that. With regards to progressive issues, like trans acceptance or whatever, uh, that is more popular now and here than pretty much ever. So that's nice. I mean, there are things to look forward to, potentially. It's just gonna be a matter of appropriately channeling whatever social interest we can use to act on them, you know? Yeah, I like that. Um, I like that you're pointing out some positive stuff, specifically with trans issues. I, I do think there's a lot of progress being made right there. And I agree, the pandemic um, showed some huge holes and opened up a lot of people's eyes to, to what's going on. And um, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic myself. Are you still supportive of Joe Biden? How do you feel about good old Joe now? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's whether or not I'm supportive of him. I mean, he was better than Trump, and that was the only choice I was given. So I'm always mm -hmm. supportive of him with regards to that contrast, and there's not really much else to talk about. In terms of how well he's done, he got a bunch of easy Ws by using executive orders to undo the objectively stupid shit that Trump did with his executive orders, so that's nice. There's some stuff that he could definitely like improve on, even within the narrow range of accepted liberal politics. Like the immigration stuff is super disappointing. Him fighting in federal court to like preserve the um, was it Title Forty Two? Fuck the 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 pretense that they're using to like um, deport a bunch of refugees without hearings. That's pretty yeah. disappointing. I, I feel like he his language is what bothers me most because I know you can't do that much without congressional support. And I want him to be this fiery orator who, like, preaches the things that he claims to believe in. When was the last time he talked about the public option, you know? And with regards to infrastructure, when was the last time he was able to give any affirmation of its necessity outside of a banal push for existing policy? We don't need, you know, politicians. We need orators. We need people who can convince the American people with such resolute certainty that their positions are needed, uh, that they'll vote left next election um i don't know if joe biden's charismatic to pull that out he never really was big on charisma at least not since like the end of obama's terms so if nothing else i mean he could be a lot worse <laughs> that's my big positive at the end of all that yeah i didn't vote for him for his speeches and i i do wish that he was um better at them for sure but what i always told people was vote for his twitter go look at his twitter his twitter's pretty on point i don't know if it could be much better he, do, he doesn't mean much over there but it, it's definitely not him running it i guarantee he doesn't even have the password to log into it but his twitter's <laughs> pretty clean and, and i feel twitter like that's what matters bernie's feel fairly similar you know um yeah. like because because they both have like that professional you know what i mean Bernie will do this like the the working class are tired of X and Y, but beyond that, when it comes to like general affirmations of relatively progressive positions, it feels like yeah. you could go to Bernie or Joe's and it'll be roughly the same. Well, I, I think Biden might surprise us. I hope so, because after infrastructure, which is what he wanted to go for first for this, you know, this old college effort at bipartisanship to try to bring down the temperature in our country a bit. And I think he did succeed to some degree. Uh, we'll see if these things pass. I think they will, because we, we may lose the House in, in next year. And I think progressives are aware of that, too. And even if we just get a trillion dollars from infrastructure, trillion dollars better than zero trillion. So I think it's going to happen. And hopefully that brings temperature down then he can move on to some of the other stuff like voting rights 
And I think he's taken a pretty strong position on that with um, even throwing a bone to Joe Manchin. Immigration, I mean, on day one, he said he'd like to see a path to citizenship for Dreamers and, um, you know, ultimately everybody here. Obviously, that's just talk and, and we got to see what he does. But I'm curious to see what he does next year. Also, I'll say that the Republicans are throwing us a bone with this abortion stuff. I mean, nobody's talking about the bungled that Afghanistan withdrawal anymore. fucking true. Nothing is going to get independents more fired up and not letting Republicans win in their states than seeing the shit they're doing in, like, Texas and Florida, dude. Oh, my God. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's I, I mean, I hope so. It feels like sometimes the Republicans get away with so much bad shit, but, like, yeah, the, what they're doing in Texas right now... And it, they can't help themselves. In a way, I'm actually reminded of, like, Lauren Southern's uh, YouTube comments back in the day, back when she was doing, like, alt-right shit more apparently at least um because uh she would dog whistle but the people in the comment section wouldn't she would be like you know we need to defend our heritage and people in the comment section would be like yeah fuck jews <laughs> so so likewise like the republicans talk a big game but they're all insane fucking ideologues so they're um they can't help themselves they're gonna keep doing like electorally damaging stuff if they're given the rope to hang themselves with you know Oh, I don't think they thought for a second that law was going to go into effect. And then they have this law now where no exception for rape or incest. I mean, this thing's a nightmare. And now, and even Florida's saying we want some of that now, too, introducing their own version. I think they're just going to hand us a gift here. And I think the Supreme Court is going to as well when they rule on that Mississippi 15-week ban that's coming up next year. They're going to hear arguments this year. So We'll see. I, I am, my I my faith think... in the Supreme Court is... Uh, not at an all-time high right now. I'll, I'll, I'll say oh. that much. Well, well, I think they're going to rule in favor of Mississippi and allow the 15-week ban to go into effect. Uh, and that would all come down in the summer, right before the midterm. So I, I'm almost not even worried what we do as long as we don't screw things up too much. Because like you said, so many people are going to be galvanized by the Republican Party's moves over the next year or so. I hope so. That would be nice, you know? Because I feel like... I can understand why a person would choose to be a liberal over being a socialist. I don't agree with the reasons, but I understand the basic rationale, the different priorities, the ideological shift. There is no reason born out of self-interest to be a Republican flat out. The most you can get maybe is like low taxes if you're rich, but unless you're in the top 1%, be, like voting Republican is, is as close to an objectively bad idea as you can get. So I hope we can move away from that, you know? The more people get pushed away from that, the better. I agree. I um I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I, I wanted to ask you about um two other quick things, if I could. Absolutely. Uh, why Why do you think people like me, who are liberals, don't see things uh, like those further left to me? I'm just curious, from your perspective. I think it comes down to two things. I think it comes down to optimism, and I think it comes down to a moral or different set of beliefs like morally speaking on um autonomy and like workplace democracy so from my mm. perspective the term wage slavery is like a fun you know it's, it's sort of like a fun flourish but i i mean it like seriously i do think that it is slavish in 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 a respect the way our economy is set up where you it's not quite you work you die it's more you work you suffer really um, I, I, I do think that's immoral in not exactly the same way, certainly not by scale, but in a similar way to the reasons why you could argue indentured servitude or slavery is immoral. I think that workplace democracy is as morally necessary as democracy in our government. 
and that mm. workplace autocracy is as immoral as any aristocracy. So I know people have different views on that. I mean, it's not like an objective thing. It's just like morally where your positions stand. I think a lot of it is also optimism, you know? A lot of liberals seem to want the same stuff that I do, um, but they, they think they can do it from within the systems they live in, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm always reminded a bit, like, what, what do we want in a society, right? I mean, we want, like, good schools, like, good roads, a fruitful economy, free time, like, for the arts to be vitalized and made important, stuff like that. We all want that. Everyone always wants that. And uh, technically, you could get all of those things in a monarchy. There's nothing necessary about a democracy to achieve anything concerning, like, a, a good uh, standard of living. A democracy is built to ensure that those are the priorities that are met. It's possible for an absolute monarch to do everything good imaginable in a society. This is my feeling, I think, with capitalism. All the things that I want, or at least almost all of them, could be done within a capitalist society or with a bourgeois democracy. I don't think they will, though, because I don't think the needs of the people who I want prioritized are being prioritized. So when people say, like, well, you could have all these things under capitalism, you know? I say, yes, we could. I don't think we will, though. Uh, that's my general way of thinking. Of course, this gets fractally nuanced, depending on what specific issue you're talking about. And sometimes social democracies do a really good job uh, at providing some of the things that I would want a socialist society provide, like UBI or strong welfare or benefits. So it's more of a spectrum than anything, but those are the feelings I have. Gotcha. Yeah, I like that you brought up workplace democracy. I think that's a real way to start winning over people like me that are more liberal, because you can really point out some inequities in the workplace that would be shocking to a lot of people who haven't thought about it like that before. And uh, it just seems like a good jumping off point. I will say, too, you, you mentioned that um, there are good things happening under monarchs, right? So, or in the past, whatever. Um, but this is something I talk about on my stream, the value of bipartisanship, because we have to prove to the world that democracy works. Otherwise, you could point to examples of autocracy uh, uh, providing their citizens with some basic needs. And, and some people seem to be pretty happy living under authoritarian governments. And they don't, you know, I'm sure they're missing out on some human rights for sure, but maybe their basic needs are being met and they're pretty cool. You know, they get to eat at their version of Buffalo Wild Wings and play Xbox. And they're like, this is okay. You know, I don't really need to vote on 27 propositions every year, you know? Yeah, but I'm kind of blackpilled on this at the moment. <laughs> I, I, I think for the most part, people will always sort of gravitate towards democratic thinking because other systems aren't very good at taking into account the needs of, well, you know, the people past a certain point. But um, it may well be the case, and I hope to God that it's not, that uh, democracy is just fundamentally untenable because fractional interests will always set your nation behind other countries that are capable of keeping the same leader in power for 40 years and working yep. on grand projects. We're a better country than China in almost every way to live in. By almost every metric, this remains the case and probably will for a long, long time. But there are things that China can do that we could never do. Building ghost cities out in the wilderness because they know they'll need people to fill it sometime a decade from now what an unfathomable stroke of genius. If done well, I mean, holy crap, like, we, we don't even do housing properly in this country. They build entire civilizations out there to be filled. It's insane. There are projects, they'll take on huge expenses to the state. 
they're willing to engage in because there's nobody to question them and nobody to vote them out. And there are benefits to that. Not enough, yeah. but something. Yeah, I saw a whole Frontline documentary about how China is about to catch up with us on AI. And that's because they have a surveillance state and they just have so much data to mine. And we can't do that in a democracy. We just, our citizens won't stand for it, but there's nothing they can do. There's no elections in China. So uh, it's, it is some scary stuff. And that's, I think that's kind of why I focus on bipartisanship a little bit, because I think, like I said, we have to prove to the world that this can work. And, and I think we can, I think in the end, you're right, that people do want to have more control than less, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's tough stuff. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you about, mm -hmm. you had a conversation with David Pakman, which was fantastic. I don't know how long ago it was. I don't know how often you've talked to him, this but I saw I this. I want to talk to him again. I like talking to him. He's a funny guy. Yeah, you guys had a great conversation, and, and he actually pressed you a little bit about how do we get to socialism? Like, what, what is the event that leads us there? And if I recall correctly, you had said that you think the, the public would possibly get fed up if there was some, like, uh, climate change-related event. Uh, just eventually people would have enough. Do you still think like that? Do you still think that it's going to take some sort of... Uh, big event and do you have faith in the people to actually recognize that that they are being tricked and duped and this system sucks I mean, I feel like the corporations out there and the people in power will just find more and more ways to convince people It's somebody else whether it be the undocumented in the, in the shadows or or China man bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, I For me, I I think it comes down to revolutionary action See, I don't think that, like, a socialist revolution will happen in this country. Or, I mean, God, if it does, we are so many millions of miles away from that, you know? it's That's mm -hmm. definitely not the next step. However, I don't think civilized society is long for this world, at least not here. I think that climate change is going to have a pretty disastrous effect on, well, everyone, of course, but over here. I mean, look at how we respond politically to, like, the refugees and immigrants we get now the mounting pressure and tension from a government incapable of quickly responding to disaster after disaster, floods through New York, New Orleans underwater again and worse this time, tsunamis hitting the coastlines, and then you get millions of climate refugees at the border. I have a feeling that invariably far-right populism will have another resurgence people will be talking about the need to form militia groups to patrol the border but these aren't going to be larpers these are going to be people with military equipment and they're going to fill mass graves uh, with unnamed unmarked countless dead and in that environment i don't think it's going to be a matter of socialist revolution or whatever i think it's just mm -hmm. going to be whichever group is most capable of convincing the military to side with it Whichever, which group is capable of taking like the rotting carcass of the American political system and wearing it to secure their own interests. And in that environment, I sincerely hope it is at the very least not the fascists. I think the first revolution will be just an anti-fascist one, or at the very least a defense against that revolution. And then after that, we might have to have a longer conversation about what to do with all the rubble. This sounds like super... LARPy, or like I'm writing a YA novel in my head or something, but I just, I don't know. It kind of feels like everything I'm saying is pretty much going to happen no matter what at this point. The best thing we could do is prepare. We need to set up contingencies for climate action and long-term policies for housing refugees. And if we can do that, maybe we get to hold on to our hats a little bit better than the countries nearest us or countries of comparable status. But absent those precautions i don't know it feels 
it, it feels kind of scary, you know? Mm. Well, um, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, said he has white rage and that he uh, he wants people <laughs> to read about critical race theory. So maybe uh, maybe the woke are uh, we can win over the, the woke generals and, and they'll be on our side on this one. You never that's, know. <laughs> that's well, it's definitely a hope. It's, I mean, it's really a matter of, like, this is, by the way, one of the reasons why I'm pro-lefties owning guns, you know? I don't think we can, like, destroy the government or whatever. I do think that if the government stops functioning and there are far-right militias patrolling down the streets, it would be better for left-leaning people to have guns than for them to be the only group without guns, you know? If for, if for no other reason than the passive discouragement it would enable in people who have, you know, ill intentions moving through those neighborhoods. Well, um, I can't argue with the mass migration of people. I mean, we saw that recently with the Haitian migrants. Those people came from South America, like 15,000 of them. They've been there for years and, and the pandemic and, and climate change to some degree have uh, taken away their ways of making money. So they came north uh, because they thought they could uh, get in here. And so a lot of them have, uh, though some of them got flown back, of course. Um, but what about this? I, I think that misinformation is our biggest enemy right now. And it is just hijacking the minds, the candy-coated brains of some of our most vulnerable fellow Americans out there. These are the people who don't have internet, maybe. These are the people who go to the library to log on the internet. Uh, they're on Facebook, and they're just, they're they're susceptible to this misinformation. And Lord knows the Republicans and Donald Trump are, are uh, taking advantage of that. But I think we can get past that. Are you, do you see misinformation ever going away? Because I think that leads to a lot of the problems that we face. I think we can tackle a lot of these issues like climate change. Maybe it's the lib in me that I'm optimistic, but I think we can we can solve these problems of the, and even the world's problems, but misinformation is our enemy. I don't disagree. I have an almost unlimited faith in the economic, um, the economic potential of this country, you know? So mm -hmm. when it comes to can we fix these problems, oh my God, with our economy, we could fix every problem on earth. It's just a matter of whether or not the people in power incentivized to do so. Or, I guess more accurately, whether or not it's possible to incentivize those problems being fixed above all other concurrent adjacent problems. Like with misinformation. The Republican Party needs misinformation. So any Republican mm -hmm. official, by default, has to fight for the propagation of misinformation. They can't not do it. They have to. It's a party position. Not to say the Democrats don't lie, but Democrats can get their basic policy positions out there without lying. Republicans can't, so... That's a pretty tough uphill battle. I don't know how we could ever meaningfully fix that. Then we get into those 1984 arguments, you know? Is censorship worth it if the Republic can't survive its absence? You know? Has disinformation gotten to the point where it poses more of an existential threat than government overreach? I don't know if we're at those points yet, necessarily, but with regards to climate change, I mean... If you look at it in a utilitarian way, and I want to respect TOS here, so I'll be, you know, so I'll, I'll, y'all be very, very clear. There is essentially nothing a person could do that would be immoral if it stopped climate change, you know? If, and yeah. at this point, climate change represents such an existential threat to the planet that almost any action could be justified if it succeeded in mitigating or preventing it. Um, and in, in an environment like that, I mean, didn't the New Yorker publish an article just yesterday on, like, the moral necessity of eco-terrorism or something? That was, like, yesterday, wasn't it? 
I didn't see that. I'd be very curious to reach, read that because I do think that in the next 10, 15 years, we are going to see terrorism from that wing of America. I, I normally call it like left, but I think that there's some people on the right that are pretty caring about the environment too. And they're being sold a narrative that the world's destroyed. There's no saving it. You're not going to be able to have grandkids. You're screwed. And I, I think we're going to start living a world where that kind of terrorism exists. Kind of like you know 30 years ago or 25 years ago people couldn't have imagined 9-11 i think we're gonna have some sort of incident people think i'm crazy for that but i think no it's coming. no I, I i don't oh whoops i don't disagree at all and i want to be clear by the way my doomerism doesn't extend to the average republican voter you know i think they're victims in all this now i've met mm -hmm. a lot of republicans in my life in person and online and i do think many of them are odious disgusting fucks and i do think that a lot of them if they lived in the Nazi Germany would have had me sent to a camp for being gay or whatever the fuck else. I don't think highly of their political positions. However, I have former Nazis in my community. I do believe that people of any political disposition can have their minds changed, ought have their minds changed, and Republicans are far from the furthest right group that I've ever talked to, you know, amenably on this platform. So with regards to them, an effort should be made to reach out to them. Even if the Republican Party is by its nature shiftless and dishonest, I think that the average American is not willfully dishonest. Maybe they repeat dishonest talking points, but they don't think it's dishonest. They're just they're just repeating yes. what they saw on Fox News, you know? And that's not yep. the same as malice. That's just I mean, it's ignorance, you know? Yeah, that's that's why I think we can fix this. Um, I think banning Donald Trump has had a huge impact on uh, just our relations with each other. I think the temperatures come down. So to me, that's like a glaring example of one thing that that fixed things. Obviously, it, it didn't get to the cause of the problem, but I'm with you 100%. I see these people as victims. I see them as my fellow Americans, and they just got taken advantage of. And um, I think we can bring them around. That's why I, I love that we're pushing for four more years of public school. We're pushing for broadband access to every home, getting lead out of pipes, all that stuff to try to give people some hope and, and so they don't uh, get taken advantage of. Yeah, 100%. When the economy is doing well, it's harder for, um, for fear-mongering to take root. So the better things get yep. brought on track, the, the easier it'll be to have conversations about things that, um, that are actually happening. So we'll see if that yeah. can happen, or maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be a perpetual backslide, and we'll have to find a way to make these arguments through the disinfo. Can only hope that's not the case. Yeah, awesome. Well, I uh, I really enjoyed this. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I want to say that I think it's pretty awesome that you read every donation as well. I um I saw that you do that. And I, think I should. That's, that's something special. Don't praise me. I shouldn't do it. It takes up so much time of every stream. You praise me, it'll oh. make it'll make me want to do it more because I'll feel good about myself. It, it yeah, I I mean I try to. I, I read them in groups at least sometimes. Yeah, I think like Co Carnage, uh, for example. I don't know if you know him. He's a big streamer on Twitch who plays games. He doesn't read donations as they come in, but or in subscriptions. But at the end, he he goes through them all real quickly, and you know I think that's cool. I think it it keeps you um grounded and in touch because these are all people that hang out here and and. Um, and I just think it's a nice gesture, so I just wanted to say that. Thank you. I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I've been doing this for a little while now, at least, and I have yet to, uh, I have, I have yet to grow accustomed to the kindness, you know? Like, I haven't gotten used to it just <laughs> yet. It still means a lot when people donate, even if it's like five bucks. 
I know back yeah. when I was in college, five bucks, like donating would be like this it, it, tremendous expression of gratitude from my perspective. So it always means a lot. Hell yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks for sharing your space with me. It was an absolute pleasure. I know we've kind of orbited near each other, but we never had a chance to interact. So I'm really glad we did. Thank you for occupying it. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks, man. Talk to you later. Talk to you later.